We are back at it again. Grant Napier here on Listen Up. I hope that everybody is doing well. Really loved the show that we had yesterday. Just outstanding. Really enjoyed that. Loved the phone calls. Loved the uh, subject matter. And I really hope that you enjoyed the show uh, as much as I did uh, doing it. So here we are a day later. And if you want to come on, you know the routine. All you need to do is hit that hand icon, raise your hand, and we'll put you right up on stage. Very interesting. The comments today, or I should say yesterday, from the owner of the Miami Dolphins, Stephen Ross, and John Elway. And I say very interesting because somebody's lying here, okay? Someone's lying here. And either Brian Flores or Stephen Ross are going to look really, really bad. Now, the lawsuit by Brian Flores entails a lot of different allegations. There is the racial component, and then there is the incentivizing to lose games, the allegations as it's directed towards the owner of the Miami Dolphins, Stephen Ross. And that is so damaging to the National Football League if it, is proven to be true because it goes right to the integrity of the league. Now, if you did not see the comments last night in a statement by Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, let me read it to you, okay? With regards to the allegations being made by Brian Flores, I am a man of honor and integrity and cannot let them stand without responding. I take great personal exception to these malicious attacks and the truth must be known. His allegations are false, malicious, and defamatory. We understand there are media reports stating that the NFL intends to investigate his claims and we will fully cooperate. I welcome the investigation. I am eager to defend my personal integrity and the integrity and values of the entire Miami Dolphins organization from these baseless, unfair, and disparaging claims. How about that? Then John Elway, who also is part of the lawsuit, came out and said this, all right, because Flores accused the Broncos of a sham interview and also was extremely disparaging towards John Elway and his disheveled appearance and insinuating that he had been drinking before the interview. Here's John Elway's statement. While I was not planning to respond publicly to the false and defamatory claims by Brian Flores, I could not be silent any longer with my character integrity and professionalism being attacked. I took coach Flores very seriously as a candidate for our head coaching position in 2019 and enjoyed our three and a half hour interview with him. Along with the rest of the group, I was prepared, ready and fully engaged during the entire interview as Brian shared his experience and vision for our team. It's unfortunate and shocking to learn for the first time this week that Brian felt differently about our interview with him. 
for Brian to make an assumption about my appearance and state of mind early that morning was subjective, hurtful, and just plain wrong. If I appeared disheveled, as he claimed, it was because we had flown in during the middle of the night, immediately following another interview in Denver, and we're going on a few hours sleep to meet the only window provided to us. I interviewed Brian in good faith, giving him the same consideration and opportunity as every other candidate for our head coaching position in 2019. Pretty amazing, huh? Those comments by Stephen Ross and John Elway. And when I say amazing, they're two separate topics. The situation in Denver and with the New York Giants as the lawsuit alleges sham interviews is one thing. The Because the reason why I say it's one thing, everyone involved in the National Football League understands that there is inequity when it comes to the hiring of minorities. That's not really debatable, all right? What, what is what we need to learn is why is that, okay? I mean, you can't really argue with the notion that minorities are not given the same opportunity as their white counterparts for head coaching jobs and general manager jobs in the NFL. I mean, you really can't argue that. But the claim by Flores about the Miami Dolphins and then Hugh Jackson, who came out and made similar comments when he was the coach of the Browns about Stephen Ross offering and incentivizing money for losses so they could get a better draft pick and maybe the number one draft pick has huge consequences for the National Football League. Huge. The damage that this could do to the NFL, the domino effect will go on and on and on. The gambling aspect to this is gigantic, okay? It's gigantic. We're talking about a billion-dollar industry, and now there are allegations that an owner of an NFL team was incentivizing the head coach to lose on purpose. I mean, think about that. Think about that. Think about that from a gambling aspect. And you all know, I mean, without gambling, the NFL is not the NFL. Yes, it's still in existence, but I mean, come on now. So the other aspect of those comments that I just read, the statement by the owner of the Miami Dolphins, Stephen Ross, is his statement is in direct, direct opposition to the lawsuit. So what it tells me is either Brian Flores is lying or Stephen Ross is lying. There's no middle ground there, okay? There's no middle ground. Stephen Ross, with his statement, has made it very clear that the allegations are false and defamatory and malicious. There is really no gray area there, okay? So either Brian Flores is making this up, and you would ask, why would he do that for? And you have the owner of the Dolphins who is saying that the allegations are false, malicious, and defamatory. So one of the two are lying. There, there's absolutely no gray area here. And if it is found 
that the allegations in the lawsuit and the claims that was filed in federal court in Manhattan a couple of days ago, the class action suit, if it is found to be true that the Miami Dolphins and Stephen Ross offered money and incentives to Brian Flores for losing intentionally, this is going to be a very, very bad period of time for the National Football League. There's absolutely no other way around it. The National Football League needs new leadership. That's first and foremost. Roger Goodell's handling of social issues, domestic violence, deflate gate, I can go on and on. There needs to be new leadership in the NFL. And if, if it is found to be true, okay, about sham interviews, but particularly about incentivizing coaches to lose on purpose, it's time for a new leadership in the National Football League. And I'm not saying that Roger Goodell should have absolutely have known that Stephen Ross was allegedly offering money to Brian Flores. That's not what I'm saying. But there have been so many bad things that have happened under Roger Goodell's watch. There have been too many black eyes. And I believe that it's time for new leadership in the National Football League. I will also tell you, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to wait for the investigations and for the legal process to run its due course. Because I'm not going to jump to any conclusions here. Because these allegations are way too serious. I just find it very interesting that John Elway's statement is very terse, very direct, and there's absolutely no gray area in what he said. He's saying that Brian Flores lied. Okay? That's what John Elway did with his statement. He has come out and basically said... Brian Flores is a liar. Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, with his statement, no gray area, has come out and said that Brian Flores is a liar. Okay? So two people in the National Football League, one a billionaire owner and the other one of the greatest players in the history of the league and a Hall of Famer in John Elway, is calling Brian Flores a liar. That's what their statements have done. And this is going to be, this is such a bad period of time for the NFL leading up to the Super Bowl. Because next week, the talk is not going to be about the Bengals and the Rams. It's going to be about this lawsuit. It's going to be about incentivizing coaches to lose on purpose. That's what's going to be the talk beginning Monday with the media hype beginning in Southern California. It's going to take away from the game. It's going to overshadow the game, especially since you don't really have two of the sexiest teams in the world playing head-to-head with the Bengals and the Rams. It's going to completely take the attention off the game. There is no other way around it, period. There's no other way around it. And it's going to be very interesting to see how NBC handles this because the Olympics start tonight, and we're going to see how NBC handles the Uyghur genocide story and other stories of 
humanitarian issues in the country of China. And it's now going to be very interesting to see how NBC handles this lawsuit leading up to the game between the Bengals and the Rams. But I got to tell you, I think this is going to be one of the lowest rated Super Bowls in history. And I think there are many people who are disgusted when they hear about the allegations and incentivizing coaches to lose on purpose. Again, I don't know if they're, if the allegations are true or not, but you have an owner of one of the 32 teams who's coming out and calling his former coach a liar, and you have a Hall of Famer and one of the greatest players in the history of the National Football League calling Brian Flores a liar. So you have an owner and a Hall of Famer who have come out and said that Brian Flores is lying about the allegations. And you and I both know that we will find out the truth behind these allegations. may take a while, but we will find out. Okay? And let's hope that this investigation by the NFL is not a sham like the investigation into the Washington football team in which thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of emails. And the only thing that comes out of it is John Gruden and he has to, you know, leave the Raider organization with his head between his legs. All right. That's another aspect that was completely screwed up under Roger Goodell's watch. See the new allegations coming out today about Daniel Snyder as it relates to the some of the cheerleaders that were on the squad years ago and the allegations that Daniel Snyder asked for edits showing their private parts when they were changing into bikinis and et cetera. It's just, it's a bad, bad time. Bad time for the National Football League. All right, if you want to get in on the show today, all you need to do is raise your hand and we'll put you right on. But the one thing I think that is pretty safe to say when it comes to the National Football League, there is inequity when it comes to their hiring practices of coaches and general managers. And I'm not saying that you need 16 black coaches and 16 white coaches. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, you can't ignore the disparity and the lack of minority hiring for head coaching positions in the National Football League and the general manager. Can't You can't ignore it, all right? You, you can't ignore it. And you can't just say, well, it's not a problem, all right? Because then, then, then I don't think you're being fair about what's going on. All right, let's get to some phone calls, and we start with Forrest. Hello, Forrest. How are you today? Doing good, Grant. Doing good. I've uh, just to let Ulysses know, I've got uh, an Angelo Dundee prodigy in my corner because I got bloodied up a little bit yesterday. Hey, you know what? I thought it was a great conversation. I don't think you got bloodied up. You know what I think? I think it's two people with different backgrounds, with different viewpoints, having constructive conversation. That's the way I I viewed it. So I, I wouldn't go there at all. I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. And I thought it was educational. But, well, thank you. I, I certainly enjoyed it. It's, uh, you know, it's, 
it's it's funny how you start out on one one end of the spectrum of uh, arguments, you know, whichever way you start out. But after a conversation like yesterday, you know, it's amazing how slowly you merge into the middle a little bit closer to the middle of understanding and tolerance and empathy. And, 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 and why can't we do that more in this country? You know, I was just doing a show with Sean Salisbury, and Sean said the exact same thing. Sean and I are on the same page with this. We're just so disillusioned with how people in this country have such a difficult time having a conversation about delicate subjects, about sensitive subjects with differences of opinions. I don't know why it's so hard to do, but I love to banter back and forth with you and Ulysses. I thought it was great. I really do. Yeah, it, it is tough. You, you know, you've been in the business long enough. You know that vanilla doesn't sell, and that's correct. Got to be controversial. You got to be controversial to not to have an. I don't know if you. I don't know if you have to be controversial, but you have to be opinionated. And I think there's a difference yeah. between between being controversial and opinionated. Because to me, opinionated is different than being controversial. Controversial, a lot of times, is you're being you're being that way just to stimulate conversation. When you give your opinion, I believe it's based on what you believe. And so I always respect people's opinions, even though I may not agree with them, but I don't think it's manufactured. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a movie buff? Not really. No. Have you seen A Few Good Men? Oh, yeah, of course. I've seen it a couple of times. Okay. So you remember when uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, Colonel Jessup is on yep. the stand yep. and Tom Cruise is, is asking him, he says, so when you give orders... Your men follow orders or people die. And they're talking about the code red and why he had sure. to order the code red when he'd already told him that leave my men alone, leave this gentleman alone. They should have followed his orders. Well, I was just thinking about that particular scene with Brian Flores. When when Ross, when the owner comes to you and says, I will give you $100,000 to throw these games, that shows to me that shows confidence in Brian Flores that says this guy is going to win games and I can't be having that. So I've got to go against his character and go against everything. And I've got to pay him a hundred thousand dollars to do something because I can see, foresee them winning X amount of games and us getting out of the, out of the spotlight. Do you think that's outlandish? I haven't looked at it from that. It's a very interesting perspective. I haven't looked at it that way. And we should also point out that they're just allegations, so we don't know if it's true or not. But, you know, it's you, you bring up an interesting perspective. I haven't really thought of it that way. Yeah, because, you know, it's it's tough. Like you were mentioning yesterday, he, they did go, what, 8-1 and one the last half of the season. Yeah, but this was not but, based on last year. This was based on his first year yeah. with Miami. Y exactly. And, you know, it didn't turn out. Yep. They drafted the wrong quarterback and – Yep. And I I know I I got to, you know, being on the West Coast, got to see a lot of Justin Herbert's games. And no, he's like, good. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a difference maker, unlike well, Tua. But Forrest, anyway. great hearing from you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Always good hearing from you. If you want to get on, all you got to do is raise your hand, hit your hand icon, and I'll put you right up on uh, stage. Again, I, I thought Forrest and Ulysses was great yesterday. I really enjoyed talking to Ulysses. Uh, you know, he and I talked for 20, 25 minutes, and then we had a three-way, and then Nick called with a four-way conversation, and it was great, and that's what I want to do on this app. You know, I mean, it's great when we can talk about sports, but it's also great when we can talk about other important topics because, you know, sports after a while can be a little mundane. And, you know, I think that we have to remember that. And I think this is a, a fabulous forum 
uh, to be able to do that. All right, let's get to some more phone calls. It's uh, Jay. Jay, welcome. How are you? Hey, Grant. Uh, nice hearing. Nice hearing your show live. Thank hey, you. I missed, I missed yesterday's show live, but I was able to catch it this morning on the podcast. And um, yeah, w- well done by uh, Ulysses Forrest, and I think I think Nick was the other mm-hmm. fellow yep. you had on. Um, yeah, great great conversation. So uh, well well done by all you guys. And you know, Forrest is one hundred percent right. You know, uh, you have a perspective, and it's really it's really really nice to be able to hear other perspectives, to be able to kind of put everything together. And I thought that conversation was. Uh, awesome yesterday. So um, uh, w- well done on everybody's part. Well, you know, now that you've called, I also want to publicly say thank you for joining my team with Superdraft because I've talked about it a couple of times here on this program and I've gotten a couple of people interested and they've contacted me and I've been very open about this. You know, I've never been in the fantasy sports and it's not something that really uh, got me excited. But since being part of Superdraft now going on three months, you know, I'm starting to get into it, and I've found the app to be as phenomenal. And to have you on my team, I mean, let me ask you your opinion of it. You know, now that we're talking publicly, what's been your experience? Well, I think it's been fantastic. You know, um, I was kind of like you where, you know, I would have my fantasy teams, um, you know, year in and year out. and But I wouldn't dabble in the daily the daily fantasies i didn't play DraftKings. I, di- I didn't do any of that stuff certainly aware of it but but i but it wasn't something that sparked my interest and uh when you brought up uh super drafts and started looking into it a little bit further um i, w- I was still somewhat skeptical of it just because i hadn't done it but i think i got involved about uh, not quite a month ago and oh my gosh it is one of the funnest things that that, that i look forward to it every day and um, I shared the, I, I personally have shared the concept now with um, uh, many folks and we've got a, a huge team growing. Everybody is loving it. And one of the interesting things that has turned out too is uh, it seems like it, it, it works for everybody. So there's, there's those folks that are like us where we're, we're into whatever the sports of the moment is, whether it's the NFL or NBA or hockey or what have you. But even for the folks that aren't that into, into sports, when I just shared the business concept with them, uh, they were like, oh, wow, I'm not super into the sports. I don't know that I could name three NBA players, but I really like this business concept. And I have, I, I have been pleasantly surprised by the two sides of the, of the fence on this, and, and it has just taken off. And I have to thank you for you know, being uh, a, a good leader and you know, uh, checking in with the, the newest folks on the team because one of the one of the things that we've done is we've really made this into a team concept so that the newest person gets as much help as they possibly need to do as whether it's just from uh, using the apps part of it whether it's creating a little bit of residual income or with some folks you know literally in their first month they made almost three hundred dollars um, just getting started and and uh, your help and guidance and that has been fabulous so uh, I can't I can't say enough good things about it well I love the concept I also love you know I'm not a big gambler and a lot of the uh, a lot of the games on the app are for free and I spin the wheel I get my free points and you know I get a I, I pick five or six players from the NFL and it's you know it's a free contest and you can still win so I mean there's something for everybody with super draft which I absolutely love and you know again I'm I, listen I don't mean the for everyone else listening to make this into a uh, infomercial. That's not why I'm asking you this. I just wanted to publicly thank you 
and ask you for your opinion on it because I'm getting very good feedback on it. Oh yeah, it, it, it's awesome. It's awesome. And and for any anybody that wants more information, you know, check in with you. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll I'll make a comment on on Twitter too. I'm glad to help. You know, because it, it is a it is a team effort, and uh, it's not very complicated, quite frankly. No, it's and not. So, yeah, yeah, and you know, it's like coffee money. Um, uh, so it's one of those things where um, information information is free and chit chat's free. I was chatting with a gal in, in our network today that I've actually never met face to face. And, you know, we've like become friends, you know, just by talking on the telephone and texting back and forth. And uh, it's it's been it's been a it's been a nice social um, avenue as well. So I I I encourage everybody to to check it out. Just it's fun. It's fun. Hey, quick sports question. Yeah. For the Super Bowl, I don't I don't really have a um, dog in this fight. So, you know, I'm kind of looking at it from a different perspective. Um, I'm not really a Rams fan, so kind of rooting for the for the Bengals. And it looks to me from just watching the two teams that it's going to kind of come down to can the Bengals offensive line control the defensive line of the Rams so yep. that Bur- Burrow can do what he does and Mixon can get some running in. What, what's your thoughts on that? Absolutely, because we saw the offensive line completely collapse against Tennessee. You know, uh, Burrow got sacked nine times, but then, you know, we saw the offensive line play a very solid game, you know, against Kansas City. But the front seven of the Rams is very similar to what Tennessee does. And so I'm with you. That is going to be the absolute key. Now, I think it also it really is beneficial to Cincinnati – to have two weeks to get ready for this game to figure out how they're going to help the offensive line. Who's going to be able to stay in chip blocking on Donald and Miller and uh, excuse me, but you are 100% correct. That is a huge key in this game coming up a week from Sunday. Well, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Hey, hey keep up the great work and, uh, Thank you. and thanks again for the, the super draft info. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much. And you know, for folks that don't know what we're talking about, um, you can just check it out. It's very simple. There's no commitment. You can watch the video. Just go to grant.winthistime.com. Grant.winthistime.com. And watch the video, and then you can contact me. And the other great thing, if you get involved with Superdraft, and a month later or two months later you don't like it, there's no obligation. You just back right out. No big deal. And you can say, hey, I tried it, but it wasn't for me. And again, anyone that's listening to me knows how I feel, you know, about particularly fantasy sports. But on this app, there are so many games and a lot of the content is free. And then, as Jay said, you can get involved like I have where I become a coach and there's residual income and you can get people on your team. And we're having a blast. Seriously, I'm having an absolute blast with this and you don't even have to be a hardcore sports fan um it's it's really interesting so check it out again grant.winthistime.com and see for yourself what it's all about all right if you want to get in on the program today uh raise your hand hit your hand icon and we will put you right on jay makes a great point you know the offensive line of the Bengals, which again did not play well against tennessee you know, Burrow got killed. The Rams, with their front, that offensive line of Cincinnati uh, is clearly uh, going to be the key. All right? So you got that. Uh, NBA tonight, you've got a very busy night uh, in the uh, NBA. The uh, Kings, who beat Brooklyn last night, 
are in Golden State taking on the Warriors. You got the Battle of L.A. with the Lakers and the Clippers. Uh, Chicago is at Toronto. Phoenix travels to Atlanta. Uh, Miami in a makeup game that was postponed earlier, uh, taking on the Spurs. And you have Detroit uh, hosting uh, Minnesota. You look at the standings now uh, in the NBA. and You start in the East and you look at how well the Chicago Bulls have played even though some injuries have cost them in their last 10, but they're 32-19. and 19. Uh, Miami all of a sudden has lost three games in a row. They are 32-20 and 20 in second, Philadelphia third, and Milwaukee is fourth. You go to the bottom, the Atlanta Hawks now are 10th at 24-26. and 26. In the West, Phoenix 41 up and nine down. They've uh, got a four-game lead in the loss column over Golden State at 39-13. and 13. So those are going to be your top two seeds in the West. I don't think there's any doubt about it. How about the Memphis Grizzlies? They are 36-18. and 18. They are third, followed by Utah fourth. Then you go to the bottom, Portland. And again, this is where it's an embarrassment. Portland is in 10th at 21-31. and 31. Ten games under 500. And right now they'd be in the play-in tournament. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. New Orleans... In 11th, San Antonio in 12th, Sacramento in 13th. But seriously, Portland, you're 21 and 31, and that gets you into the play-in tournament. If the season ended today, it's awful. Really is. You know, uh, it doesn't make sense to me. So you would play the seventh place team, which is Minnesota. That's a game over 500. So you're 10 games under 500, and you get a chance to get into the playoffs by playing a team that's got a much better record than you do? Eh, I'm not crazy about it. I understand why they did it, but I'm really, really uh, not crazy about it. All right, again, if you want to get in uh, on the topics today, just hit your hand icon, uh, raise your hand, and we'll get to it. You know, I was talking about uh, Stephen Ross in Miami. We were talking about the comments of John Elway. Again, you know, Daniel Snyder has faced new allegations uh, and they're involving uh, sexual harassment, very disturbing allegations, uh, and really uh, violation of women, very disturbing, very disturbing uh, indeed, all right? And the NFL, again, with an investigation, they said the NFL is reviewing and will consider Miss Johnson's allegations as we would any other new allegations regarding workplace misconduct at the Washington Commanders. We will determine any further action as appropriate. Today's testimony underscores that all employees deserve a workplace that is free from harassment of any kind and where they feel safe reporting misconduct. So the National Football League did an investigation with, what was it? Was it 35,000 emails or was it more than that? All right. And you're going to tell me that after that investigation, the only thing that comes out is a conversation between John Gruden and then general manager Bruce Allen. Seriously? I mean, can we, are we really, really believing that? And again, Tiffany Johnson was the former cheerleader who made new allegations today at a roundtable before the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. And again, some of the uh, allegations are disturbing, uh, to say the least. All right? 
to say the least. I don't know. You know, again, I go, all of this is going under Roger Goodell's watch. All right. The social justice issues, the domestic violence disparity, the Flategate, Daniel Snyder, the investigation in the Washington football team. The only emails that come out that were leaked, leaked, involve John Gruden and the Raiders, who we know that the NFL has an issue with. And again, this is all under Roger Goodell's watch. I ask you, does that make sense to you? Do you think that's legitimate? I don't. I don't. I I don't think the perception from the fans as it relates to Roger Goodell is very good. I can guarantee that Goodell would get booed off the field in any stadium that he showed up in. Now, that's not really different than what would happen with Rob Manfred or Adam Silver. It's just fashionable to boo commissioners. But in this case, I think Roger Goodell, it would be sincere booing and disgust. That's how I look at it. And again, I'm not saying it's all Roger Goodell's fault. Like I don't think he's supposed to know that Stephen Ross allegedly is offering money to Brian Flores. And I, you know, how's he supposed to know that? But he is the commissioner, and the buck stops with him, right? The buck stops with him. That's the way it is. And there have been too many bad things that have happened on his watch. You can't ignore him. Can't ignore him. All right, the uh, baseball lockout, if you care, you should because it's now February, all right? MLB requested uh, the assistance of a federal mediator today, all right, to try to end the lockout. They reached out to the federal mediation government agency that attempts to help resolve labor disputes. Now, mediation, by the way, is not mandatory, and the Players Association would have to agree to a third party. So spring training will certainly be delayed. That much we do know. That much we do know. All right, let's get to uh, some more phone calls right here on Listen App, and we get to Jeff. Hello, Jeff. How are you? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Stress. We all have it to a degree, big, small, but I think you can agree we all carry around different stressors. Most of you know what I've gone through the last four years, complete career change, moving across the country, filing a lawsuit, being in the news often, dealing with all of that, trust me, has not been easy. And if you keep things bottled up, it can really have a negative impact on your life. Therapy is a safe space. You get things off your chest. You can figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills. You can set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And you know what, folks? It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Hey, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try. It's online. It's easy, convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, switch therapist anytime for no 
additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Grant today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Grant. I'm doing great, Grant. It's good to hear your voice. Thank you. Hey, uh, I, I want to talk about the Goodell. So, uh, everything you're saying, the buck stops with Goodell. It, and this is, I should know this, but is he not handpicked by the owners? Yes, he's uh, he is an employee of the owners. He is paid by the 32 owners of the National Football League. That is correct. Yeah, asking asking an employee to hold your bosses accountable seems like a ridiculous is I think the the lightest way I can say that term. Yep. I mean, come on. That's that asking me to hold my my owner accountable who I answer to directly for anything. Are you kidding me? You lose your job, and how much is this guy paid? Hundred million he's, dollars a year. He's getting not that much, but he's. Uh, it's. Uh, I've heard reports anywhere from thirty-five to sixty-five million. So I think that's he's doing pretty well for himself. Yeah, I mean, so I just basically he. I mean, I, I've heard other people talk specifically about Goodell and say, "Hey, this guy is the greatest at not saying anything with yep. as many words as possible." <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, think that's, that's very, very, way. you know what? There's a lot of truth to that. I think that's very well said. And so this man is literally put in place to protect at all costs everything these owners do. So yep. at all costs, he, I mean, he is, he takes the, the punches and the blows yep. on behalf of the owners. And so that's why I don't see, I don't see that there can be any real change, especially when it comes to the disparity and this is being said by somebody who's been an NFL apologist when it comes to the the claims of racism in coaching. Like this is, uh, I, you finally get to a point where after a few years, handfuls of years, you're going, yeah, but really, is that really something that, that these guys are taking into consideration? And now 10 years later, as an adult, still, there's this huge disparity yep. and you go, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I guess I have to admit at some point there is an issue. <laughs> there is an issue. You'd be living, you know, on Mars uh, to think that there's not an issue. By the way, just for the record, including bonuses and salary over the last two years, Roger Goodell has made $128 million. Think about that for a minute. Hey, hey. You will take as many punches in the face for 128 million. You're damn right. Especially when it's not physical. <laughs> yep, and his 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 actual salary is 35 million, but he gets a ton of bonuses, and so 128 million the last two years. Think about that for a minute. 128 million the last two years. Yeah, that's. But, I mean, come I, on. I think I think it just says no change will happen until there's 32 owners that want or 31 whatever it is green bay yep. is a, a whole situation right but until until they actually want change no change will actually happen and it, it that, that's how i see it I, I see no change happening i think uh well i'll tell you one thing, thing if, wanna, if, oh. if 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 the allegations are true about miami's owner and stephen ross offering money for losses there's going to be a, a huge domino effect and if it's also true in cleveland that's going to fall in the lap of Roger Goodell, and he will not survive that. Yeah, but what actual repercussions will we see? I mean, if it's true, what's the legit repercussion that we will see? You say there's a domino effect. I just don't see 
what that um, is, I guess. Well, first of all, the domino effect goes to the integrity of the league, and people are going to start questioning, well, gee, if an owner can try to make a payment, uh, are, are, is that going on with officials? You know, we went through it with the NBA with Tim Dunaghy. They proved that he was a rogue official, but I just, you know how society works. They're going to try to make more out of it than probably that it is. They're going to say, wait a minute, the integrity of, of a team, all right, with wins and losses, with jeopardize, what else is going on in the league? You know, are, are officials being paid off? Are, you know, I mean, you, you hear it now. I mean, whenever there's a real egregious call that costs the team a game, you hear that talk all the time. Now, do I believe that's going on? No, I don't. I believe it's human error. But again, all of these things are going to be discussed if these allegations that Brian Flores made, and now with Hugh Jackson coming out in Cleveland, if these two teams did try to incentivize coaches to lose on purpose. That's a real black eye for the national football league. Totally agree. I just hope, I hope that there's enough to actually bring about real, real, real consequences. Yep. I mean, and, and hopefully, I mean, it, the situation has to be with the other owners, right? Ultimately, yes. you say it comes down to Goodell, but the real, I mean, the real action Correct. is owners, and I don't know how it works, but voting the other owners out. And then we can get them over to the NBA and get Vivek out somehow. I don't know how to connect <laughs> There's got to be some way to connect it. Yeah, there, the, the, there, unfortunately, there's no way to get a managing general partner out. If that were the case, James Dolan would have been removed as the owner <laughs> of the Knicks you know, a long time ago. Um, I'll tell you, somebody sent me a picture. Or excuse me, they didn't send it to me. I saw it on Twitter. Halfway through the first quarter last night, the crowd in Sacramento – and I got to tell you, it, 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 it hurt me to see the arena so empty for a Kings home game. And it's been that way, and it's going to continue to be that way. And I believe that Vivek Ranadive has pushed fans away from the product of the Sacramento Kings. He has been such a horrible owner for the franchise. And it is unfortunate that there's really nothing that can be done uh, to move in a different direction or at least that I'm aware of, but he has been awful for the franchise. Awful. The the funny thing about that is I actually tweeted at you not too long ago a picture of ESPN's capacity versus you know a, ten, a total capacity in attendance, and I think every every game it says oh thirteen thousand people, yeah. and I'm like no, I've seen I re- pictures. And I- I remember that tweet. Like 13, no, they're count <laughs> not less. They're counting by twos and including the concessionaires, the ushers, uh, and everyone else. You know. Hey, who's Thank to you. say what you have to count? Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. Good call. Isn't that the truth? There couldn't have been more than five thousand people at the game last night. No way. I mean, it's embarrassing. It really is. It's embarrassing. And as I keep on saying, there's no, it's not like you look in the future and go, oh, things are going to get better. How are they going to get better? Like, how are they going to get better? Is LeBron James in the draft this year? And the Kings are going to get lucky and get the number one pick? Is that what's going to happen? Come on. It's awful. Absolutely awful. Trade deadline, by the way, is coming up in a week. A week from today, right? The 10th. By the way, if there are major trades made with the Kings, I'll break in and start doing my show right here on Listen App at a moment's notice. You'll get a notification. Boom, I'll be on. I'll put it out on social media, and we'll have a special show, okay? 
That's another great thing I love about Listen Up. Yesterday was great. We could put, you know, multiple people on stage. We could have a group conversation. That's the first time I've done that since I started doing this show. So we can get into a debate. You know what? If you hear someone talking and you're like, man, I so disagree with that. All you have to do is hit your hand icon. I'll put you right up on stage and we can have a group conversation like we did yesterday with Ulysses and with Forrest and with Nick. It's what I love, you know, about this app. Gives me a lot of opportunities to do uh, different things. Uh, tomorrow, get no football this weekend. So we'll get into, you know, more off the beat topics. And certainly I don't think this topic with the National Football League and the lawsuit is going away anytime soon. Uh, we'll find out if there's any light at the end of the tunnel with baseball. Is baseball completely out of touch with reality? Seriously. A multi-billion dollar business with billionaire owners and millionaire players, and they can't figure out a way to split the pie and be happy. Seriously. I mean, are they oblivious to what's going on in the country? That, that, that fans, due to the pandemic, have kind of found different ways to get their entertainment and that they're tired of the complaining and the just the greed, the greed in professional sports. I mean, is Major League Baseball just oblivious to what's going on in the real world? Seriously. So they're going to delay spring training, and who does that hurt? Well, that hurts the people that work at the spring training ballparks. That hurts the local restaurants and bars who count on this income every spring. It hurts the, the parking attendants who, again, depend on this income every year. It hurts the concessionaires, right? It hurts the people, you know, that work directly with these ballparks in these very small towns. That's who it hurts. Doesn't hurt the players. Doesn't hurt the owners. It hurts the little guy. And baseball doesn't seem to give a damn about the little guy. They really don't. They don't seem to care at all. They don't care. And the greed, the absolute greed of these billionaires and the millionaires is disgusting because they are out of tune with reality. They're out of touch with society. It's awful. It really is. Absolutely awful. And now MLB's got to ask for a mediator to come in. I don't know why the Players Association would agree to that, to a third party. Maybe they'll surprise us. Boy, how would you like to be the mediator in that? Probably you would love it because you probably get paid a couple of million dollars. But, boy, I, I don't know how you mediate, you know, a billion-dollar business and make everybody happy. You would think that it wouldn't be hard to make everybody happy, right? You wouldn't think so. You know, when you see players signing contracts in Major League Baseball totaling over $300 million, I'm supposed to have compassion for the sport of baseball? Guess what? I don't have any compassion for anyone in Major League Baseball. I don't. Not at all. By the way, the Olympics are underway. Coverage begins tonight. 
And it'll be very interesting to see whether we see a hypocritical network, a network of double standards, which I already know NBC is a network of double standards because I've lived through it. It's going to be very interesting to see how they cover everything going on in China. All right, let's get to some more phone calls right here on Listen App with Zach. Hello, Zach. How are you this afternoon? What's up, Grant? How are you? I'm good, buddy. What can I do for you? I uh, just want to see your thoughts. Uh, I know it's you know a little older news now, but I just want to see. Uh, I don't know if you heard about Rafael Nadal winning number twenty-one. Just want to see where. Your well, of course are. I heard about it. Now, how would I not hear about Rafael Nadal coming from two sets down to win the Australian Open? How would I not know that? I don't know, man. They, they don't give enough uh, media coverage to Nadal and uh, what what he did. It was it was crazy. What he well, did. first of all, there's not a lot of media coverage to the Australian Open. I think even you would admit of the four majors, it gets the less it gets less attention than the others. And I think the biggest reason is the time um, difference, yeah. right? Yeah, I agree. Definitely, um, that's probably one thing. And people can't really watch a lot of the games. Uh, no one can really catch any of it, which I get, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, coming two sets down, I, I, did, Incredible. Stay up, I did stay up for the first two sets, but I, I, my eyes were, uh, closing and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Uh, the last he got a, he got a big break with Djokovic not being there, you know, with Djokovic not playing. I mean, that was absolutely. a big break for Rafi. I mean, you got to call it the way it is. Absolutely. Uh, I a hundred percent agree, but you know, I mean, that's, you know, like I, I always tell people this, you know, you got to take the person for what he is, you know, like Nadal. He's great. Uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna make excuses. Like you know, he. No, gets, no. No. I was just gonna say Nadal gets you know hurt, and sometimes he'll maybe he's missed some majors, um, and you know that's part of his game. You know because he plays like how intense and tough he does. Um, he's gonna miss some majors. Novak, a little yep. politically, yep. you know, and you know indifferent. So he's gonna he's gonna miss some majors too. It's just this, each player has their things like that. Hey, Rafi's great. Regardless, I mean, the guy is great. He's one of the all-time great tennis players. I know he's got the numbers, but I mean, even if you don't think that he's the greatest of all time, he's in the conversation. I mean, you can't you can't talk about greatest players of all time and not mention Nadal. Absolutely, um, he's gonna. He has 13 French Opens. I mean, yep. that's almost as much as Sampras has altogether, which is crazy. It is crazy. Uh, um, you know, he might get 14 this year. I mean, Novak. I, I'm not sure about all the uh, guidelines, but you know. If he doesn't end up getting vaccinated or whatever, you know, he might miss the French Open. You know, you never and know. And the U.S. Open. And the U.S. Open, right. Yep. So, uh, so I don't know. I mean, Nadal, I mean, we'll see if he can get 22 uh, in May. Yep. You never know what's going to happen. And, you know, after a few more years, you know, he You're might right. end up having the most. I don't know. Hey, Zach, good hearing from you, man. Enjoy yeah, your rest you. of your day. Take Thank care. You. All right. Yep, good stuff there from uh, Zach. Uh, we'll get to uh, some more phone calls right here on Listen App as we roll along on this busy Thursday, and we uh, check in with Ray. Hello, Ray. You're next. Go ahead. Hey, what's up, Grant? How you doing? I'm good, Ray. What's going on? Uh, nothing much. Hey, man, I'm just a big supporter of you. Uh, Thank you. Listening to you, to you on, on the radio, driving back from work, and um, everything. I think what was done to you is uh, – I just, I don't know. It's just the worst thing, you know, can happen. I'm not from the uh, area of Sacramento, but I live out here. So um, you've been a big a big part of my commute as well as my life. Um, being a transient from the Bay Area to out here in Sacramento. So I uh, just want to say uh, thanks for what you've done. And I'm glad you're back on the radio. 
Thank you. And uh, we can we can uh, listen to you. And um, yeah. And yeah, thank you. It means a lot to me. I appreciate your support. Spread the word out. Let people know that I'm doing this every day. And because uh, I'd like to be able to come on, you know, for a couple hours every day and entertain people while, you know, they're coming in from school or going to work or going to a game, whatever the case may be. You know, I would love to do that. So I really appreciate your support, Ray. Thank you very much. Definitely. Definitely. Take care. Yep. You too. Really appreciate that. Again, if you want to get on, all you need to do is raise your hand. We'll put you right up on the stage, and you can talk to me here on Listen App. Kevin, it's your turn. How are you, Kevin? I'm good. I'm uh, just curious more of um, some of your long-term goals. Um, are you hoping to get back into broadcasting, broadcasting for a team? I know you, you really like hockey as well, it sounds like, so with all your contacts in basketball, and I know you've talked about your best friend being in GM for hockey team. Yeah. Just curious if you've had any conversations going down that route or what you see there. It's a it's a great question. Uh, yes, uh, I would absolutely love to resume my career. I'm only 62. Uh, I was planning on working well into my 70s. You know, God willing, and my mind being sharp, which a lot of people don't think my mind's sharp right now. But I absolutely want to get back into it. I think that I have a lot to offer to an organization. Um, listen, I, I don't like talking about myself, but I. You know, I, I think I was very good at what I did, and whether it's hockey, whether it's basketball, whether it's football, uh, yes, I would absolutely love to get back into announcing. I think I have a lot to offer. Uh, I'm keeping sharp. I'm watching games. I'm keeping up with everything, and all I need is an opportunity. Has there Have you had any traction on that? You know, I have not. Any Okay. And then when do you think you get some resolution on the lawsuit, just kind of general time frame? Uh, I don't know the answer to that question, but I will tell you this. I've been very transparent about this. Whenever there's a pertinent update, a pertinent update, I will pass it along so that people can uh, stay abreast of it. So, you know, these things normally take a while. Um, but when when there is news as it relates to my lawsuit, I will disclose it. I will be very transparent so everybody knows what's going on. Good. Well. A lot of people wish you the best, and you have a lot of supporters out there. So good luck to you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It uh, means a lot to me. You know, and while we're doing this, I want to publicly thank Pat Walsh on KFBK, who has been unbelievably supportive of me. I got a message the other day on social media that Pat was once again saying great things about me on his February 1st show. Pat does a show, I believe it's from 7 to 10 California time. Uh, on KFBK, and his show was great. I mean, it's he's it's a, it's a great show, but I, I want to publicly thank him uh, for his support on such a big outlet like in Sacramento. Uh, Armstrong and Getty uh, on 650. Uh, also, uh, KST have been a gigantic uh, supporter of mine, have been extremely uh, outspoken on their syndicated show in the mornings. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate everyone's support, you know, whether it's someone that is in the public eye or a private person, uh, it means the world to me and really has invigorated me and has made me want to do things such as listen app. Again, I'm not asking anyone to feel sorry for me because that's not, that's not what I'm about. But I had somebody reach out to me two days ago on social media and they said, how come you don't go longer on listen app? And I said, listen, I'll go as long as people want me to go, but I need phone calls. I said, I'm not getting paid for this. I don't get paid for doing Listen App right now. Eventually, I would like to monetize this show. 
Um, but I said, hey, you know, I don't have commercials. I talk and I will talk for as long as you want, as long as you help me. And by helping, I need your questions. I need you to raise your hand. Let me put you up in queue and we can have conversation like yesterday. That was my favorite show that I've done since starting here on Listen App. But the point is, I mean, I'll go for two hours every day. You know, I'll go for two hours. Yesterday, we went well over an hour. What have I done today? 55 minutes because I'm getting really good phone calls. And it doesn't just have to be about sports. You know, it can be about other things, too. I mean, I love that. I love that aspect, you know, of this app. We can talk about anything. And I really, really have enjoyed that. I really have. All right, let's get to uh, some more phone calls and we get to Eli. Hello, uh, Eli. How are you today, Eli? Hey, Grant. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you very much for uh, checking in. Yeah, great. Um, I just had a question for you about the um, about your relationships with uh, people that you used to work with at the King's organization. Would you say that you still have pretty good relationships, at least with the people that you used to be close with? Um, can you speak about that a little bit? Yeah, I do. I've uh, maintained uh, very close. I've got a lot of friends that work for the Kings, people that you wouldn't even know, people that work in the ticket department, uh, other uh, areas. And yeah, they'll always be my friends. And I root for them every day. I, I want them to succeed because they work hard and they deserve success. And they've gone through such a difficult time. You know, most of the people that are on the basketball side, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know Monty McNair. I don't know anybody in the front office anymore. So I don't have any contact with them. Uh, you know, Alvin Gentry, I've known for, gosh, 30 years, but I, I don't have his contact information. I haven't reached out to him. But there are people that I still stay in in, in uh, contact with. Yes, absolutely. What about with Doug Christie? Were you ever able to kind of? No, I don't have. A, I, good, okay. No, I don't have a relationship with Doug. Uh, and it is what it is. The last time I heard from Doug was on June 18th of 2020. And, you know, I was very open and honest about how I felt about Doug. You know, I feel that he went into a cave. I, I feel he got scared. And my relationship with Doug leading up to May 31st, I considered him one of my closest friends. We used to go out to dinner every night on the road. We used to hang out together all the time. I mentored him. I tried to make him into an excellent broadcaster. Uh, we played golf together on a regular basis. Uh, our wives were friends. Um, and when I needed him most, he disappeared on me. And that's unfortunate. You know, I think we all were going through a very difficult time back then, you know, with the murder of George Floyd and all the looting and all the rioting and, you know, the movement that was going on in our country. And I think Doug got wrapped up on that. And I don't have any problem with him getting wrapped up in that at all. I mean, you know, you have to go by your convictions and you have to do what you think is right. And I have no problem with that at all. But I have a problem with him not supporting me. Uh, publicly. He supported me privately. I've got, you know, tons of text messages on my phone of his support and his love. Uh, but for whatever reason, he didn't want to do it publicly when I really needed him to do it publicly. And that's why I called him a coward. And I was wrong for calling him a coward. That was wrong. And I, I've been outspoken about that. Doug Christie is not a coward, but his act of remaining silent for me was cowardly. There's a difference. He's not a coward, but his act of remaining silent when he was supporting me privately through the 48 hours of me saying all lives matter every single one and me losing my job 
that was cowardly on his part. He's not a coward. Doug Christie is not a coward, but his act of being silent to me was cowardly. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely makes sense. You know, maybe, you know, afraid or intimidated or whatever it might could be. be. I guess yep. maybe could we'll be. never know. <laughs> we'll never know. Yep. Um, I had I had one last question if I could. Sure. Um, it's a little bit touchy, so no worries if you can't answer it. But I was wondering, along with a lot of other people, what the deal was with Matt Barnes and Chris Weber. Uh, sure. You know, because they, th- they threw some shade at you. and I'll be happy. Know, it's a great question. Yeah, I, I just I just don't know if it was, you know, maybe like a touchy relationship where you asked no. a few tough questions in an interview or something at one yep. point or, you know, what the deal was. It's a great question, and I'm happy to talk about that. Uh, why don't we start with the older news first, okay? Uh, Chris Weber played in Sacramento for a number of years, and for most of those years, he had a weekly radio show with me, all right? Chris and I would okay. have a weekly radio show, and I – and very opinionated and our relationship at times got very contentious. Okay. The day that he was traded to Philadelphia, I was in the lobby of the Crescent court hotel in Dallas, the team hotel. And I had heard that Chris had been traded and I was walking through the lobby and Chris was there and Chris came up to me and we shook hands and he said, man, I know that we had some run-ins, but I just want to thank you and wish you the best. And I said, hey, I wish you the best, too. I said, I know we did, but I wish you nothing but the best. So I thought we ended on a good note, okay? Well, uh, years later, when Chris retired, he was working on TNT, and the game was on a Thursday, and the Kings had the biggest city council meeting that they had ever had as it related to sports in Sacramento as it related to the Kings. And the city council voted yes to build a new arena. Now, this was well before Seattle. This was involved with the rail yards and the Maloofs and everything else. Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller, Chris Weber, and Cheryl Miller were the announcers for that game. And in the middle of the game, Cheryl interviewed Mayor Kevin Johnson live on the baseline. And Cheryl's question was, what now, now that the city council voted against the arena? And Kevin said, no, 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 no. They didn't vote against it. They voted for it. And he talked about it. They threw it back to the desk, and Reggie goes, once a politician, always a politician. And Chris, who's announcing the game in Sacramento with his number four hanging above his head, had no idea about the city council vote. And he also went along with Reggie, and it was an embarrassment. It was probably the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen on network television, particularly for someone like Chris, who's got his jersey hanging in the rafters. So... The next day, my producer, I said, do me a favor, call up Chris and ask him if he will come on the show and tell him why I'm having him on. And you can go back and listen to this conversation. When we get done here, go to YouTube and put in Chris Weber response to Grant Napier. All right. And you can listen to the conversation. So Chris calls up my radio show. And I knew it was going to be a problem within the first five seconds because I could tell Chris was somewhat inebriated. And we started off with a very, uh, he started off with a Detroit Lions, New York Giants comment because they had just played and we left. He knows I'm a huge Giants fan. I know he's a huge Lions fan. And we left. And then I asked him about how could TNT get the story so wrong last night? Well, if you know anything about Chris, Chris has never done anything in his life. Chris doesn't apologize. Chris is always going to turn it around and point the finger at others. And that's exactly what he did. 
He tried to make me the story and make it seem like I'm wrong for asking him that question. And again, for anyone that's listening here, I invite you when we're done here, go to YouTube and just put in Chris Weber response to Grant Napier. And you, you can listen for yourself. The entire conversation is on YouTube of Chris hanging up on me. And as we, we started screaming at each other and I go, Chris, Chris, don't hang up. Chris, don't hang up. And it got it was a very animated conversation. That was the last conversation that I ever had with Chris Weber. I believe it was 2013. I would see Chris wow. at games. He would ignore me. He wouldn't look at me. He would give me dirty looks. And so Chris had an ax to grind with me from that interview. Now I'm going to get you to Matt Barnes. Matt, who I have a lot of respect for, had a lot of respect for. The last time he played in Sacramento, he was teammates with DeMarcus Cousins. Matt was on the show with me and Doug every single week. We had the Matt Barnes show. He wanted to come on, okay? During his last year in Sacramento, if you recall, there was a game in Philadelphia that was postponed due to condensation on the floor. And Matt put out on Instagram in the locker room, he and DeMarcus Cousins with a bottle of Hennessy. And I went on the radio the next day. And I'm like, how freaking stupid are you? We know that you're adults. We know that you drink. Why are you broadcasting Hennessy in the locker room on Instagram? All right. Then a short time after that, there was a brawl at a New York City nightclub, which Matt was subsequently arrested for and charged. And if you remember, DeMarcus Cousins was seen on the sidewalk in front of the club being unaware that someone was using their camera phone to record him. And he was bragging about the brawl and Matt hitting a woman. Matt allegedly sucker punched a woman in the New York City nightclub. Again, Matt has in the past had issues of domestic violence and hitting women. So I go on the radio the next day and I call him out and say, this is unacceptable. It's an embarrassment for the Sacramento Kings franchise. You're in town playing a game and you're in a brawl in a New York City nightclub and DeMarcus is on the sidewalk bragging about it. By the way, DeMarcus was not involved in the brawl, did nothing wrong. And I want to point that out because I'm trying to be fair here. But Matt was certainly not in that category. It was a black eye for the franchise. So Matt, again, had a problem with me because I called him out on my radio show, and this is his way of getting back to me. I will ask you this. If I'm a closet racist, why did Matt ask to play in my golf tournament annually to raise money for my foundation? In one tournament, he spent $7,500 at the live auction to help out our kids. He rented a home that was up for auction in Lake Tahoe, a beautiful home in Lake Tahoe that Matt did. Okay, Matt, if I'm a closet racist, why would Matt come on my radio show every week? Would you... If you were a person of color and you thought that somebody was a racist, would you go on their radio show every week and would you play in their golf tournament? So, you know, this is these are questions, unfortunately, that the Sacramento media has refused to ask both Chris and Matt. They don't want to get involved in it. They don't want to they don't want to address why Matt Barnes called me a closet racist. People know I'm not a, a racist. I mean, I don't even have to. I feel embarrassed to even comment on that. I, anyone that knows my character, anybody knows what I stand for. I mean, you you can say whatever you want about me because I know the truth and I know who I am. But you ask specifically why those two made those comments. That's why they made those comments. It was their way of getting back at me. And they got back at me. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That's very unfortunate. Just, you know, sounds like they weren't able to handle some criticism, which, you know, seems justified. Again, I, I invite anyone to go to YouTube and just put into search Chris Weber responds to Grant Napier 
and you can listen to the whole conversation on the radio. And then after you listen to it, call me up tomorrow and you let me know what you think of the conversation that we had on the radio. That was the last conversation I ever had with Chris. Yeah, you know, Grant, I actually have listened to that before. It was a while oh, okay. ago, but I did not understand. The, I didn't understand the context behind it. Yep. And now I do. So, thank you, Eli. Yeah, so I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you uh, answering my questions. It's my pleasure. It's what I love about this app because we can talk about anything. It's awesome. All right, let's get to uh, some more phone calls here on this Thursday with Kiram. Hello, Kiram. It's good to hear from you again. How are you? Great. How about yourself, Grant? Just I'm doing well. Another game here uh, Thursday afternoon. About to ref some fabulous soccer so how are you good i'm doing good i'm very well thank you for calling again absolutely first off uh, i just want to say that call with chris weber is definitely one of my favorites i also want to double down and encourage anyone who hasn't listened to it to do so um my friends and i use that line don't hang up chris uh (laughs) one another when we're like threatening to leave group chats (laughs) that's very funny around so that's up there with my favorite calls along with uh the one with Zach, the NBA guru. So. Oh yeah, right with the uh, meters, the uh, the meter yeah. ramps. Yeah, yeah. Zach's great. You know, Zach's the one that just called. Zach's great. I love Zach. He's great. He's good. He's a good sport too. He is. He is. Um. So speaking about group chats, um, I was just going to ask a very simple question. As a you know, being someone like in their late twenties, just getting started with their career and cancel culture really taking off right now. Something that concerns me, and I've had a couple close calls and group chats that I've been in, uh, what recommendations or advice would you give like someone in my age group who's just starting out and is navigating through this um, to make sure they're being careful and conscious online? It's a fabulous, fabulous question uh, because everything that we say now is dissected. And if you say something that is misconstrued or misinterpreted, you could be canceled uh, just the way that I am. I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for you. All right. We all have to make these decisions. And I'll quote Martin Luther King. Our lives begin to end the day we remain silent about things that matter. If you see an injustice, you need to speak up about it. If you see something that is wrong, you need to speak up about it and don't turn your head the other way. And unfortunately, there are too many people that are not willing to speak up because they're afraid of the retribution or they're afraid of being misconstrued or misinterpreted. And that is unfortunate. I do believe that we're starting to see the tide turn a little bit. I would just say this. Don't make comments online that are sexist, that are dealing with a joke about someone's race, religion, sexuality. Stay away from that. I've always tried to stay away on my radio show from religion, sexuality, and really racial issues. There are times when we've had to talk about race, whether it was Colin Kaepernick or, you know, the Stefan Clark shooting. There are times when we've had to broach it. But basically, you know, it's very difficult to win when you're talking about racial issues in America if you're going to be online or it's very difficult. You're always going to, even if you don't intend to, you're always going to offend a group of people. That's why I didn't talk about sexuality. I didn't talk about religion and I didn't talk about politics. I always stayed away from politics, religion, and sexuality on my radio show because you just can't win. No matter what you say, you're going to offend a group of people. So the first thing I would tell you, don't go, don't go on those three. Stay away from politics, stay away from sexuality, stay away from religion because you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble. But if you do see an injustice as it relates to anything 
then I think you need to speak up because I think there are too many people, as long as you are educated on what you're talking about and you have a strong conviction and you, you follow that, I think you're going to be okay. I really do. Thank you so much, Grant. I'll definitely pass this on to one of my close friends. He has a very dark sense of humor, but it often no. gets him in a lot of trouble. You so can't. Thank you. Yeah. Listen to you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Your sense of humor, don't go with your sense of humor anymore because what you think is funny, somebody else doesn't. There have been a lot of announcers lately that have had their careers turned upside down because they thought that they were making a joke. Jack Morris the Hall of Fame pitcher for Detroit about Shohei Otani, right? Correct? And look what happened to him. Um, and, and, and there are many other examples that I could use as it relates to an off-the-cuff remark. Bob Brenly, right, with the do-rag. I believe that he was talking about with comparing Marcus Stroman and Tom Seaver. I believe it was Bob Brenly. If it wasn't him, I sincerely apologize, but I'm trying to use this as an example. Do not, do not try to make a joke anymore when it involves someone's race, sexuality, political affiliation, religion. Stay away from that. Even if you think it is so funny, stay away from it. It's not funny to at least some people. You may think it's funny. But you're going to get yourself in a lot of hot water, and ultimately, your career is going to be stained. It's going to be tarnished. So, you know, you would you could go back and listen to any of my radio shows in 26 years in Sacramento. I will tell you that people have no idea what my political affiliation is. Just for the record, I don't have one. But you wouldn't know it anyway by listening to my radio show because I never talked about it. Never. I stayed away from politics. Always, always, always stay away from politics. Because first of all, I'm a sportscaster. You know, if I wanted to talk politics, I would get into the political arena. I never talked about sexuality. I didn't care. I don't care whether you're, you know, homosexual. I don't care what you are. I don't care if you're transgender. I don't care what you are. I don't care if you're bisexual. It makes no difference to me. Live your life the way you want to live it. I can't tell you how to live your life. I never talked about sexuality. I never talked about religion. I never talked about my religion. I never did. Now, if there was a story like with anti-Semitism, yeah, I would talk about it. And I would talk about the the issues as it relates to the sports world, like when Deshaun Jackson made his anti-Semitic remarks or, you know, Myers Leonard here in Miami with the heat. Then I talk about it because it has direct correlation with sports. But again, I stay away from those topics uh, and tell your friends, Kieran, do not. Bring humor into those areas. Do not bring humor into someone's race, religion, political affiliation, or sexuality. Do not go there. If you go there, you're going to, in all likelihood, be canceled. You'd say it, but that's the world that we're living in today. And I know I'm answering that in a very broad way, but that's, that's how I feel. I don't think... That is a recipe for success anymore. But I will go back to this. If you see something that is wrong, speak up. If you see an act of racism and you turn your head, you're part of the problem in this country. If you see racism 
and you remain silent and you don't speak up, you're part of the problem. And I learned that at an early age, and I've shared the story with my dad and my friend Chris when we were just kids. And I learned that lesson. It wasn't even a lesson. I, I didn't I didn't ever get in trouble for it because I was brought up at an that's one of the very first memories that my dad instilled in us. So I didn't have to learn the lesson. I was taught it at a very early age. Chris, my friend, on the other hand, was not taught it. He he grew up as a single child in a family where that was not taught. So how would he know? He wouldn't know. You only know what you know. His environment was not conducive to that aspect of education. And it was my father who educated him and it sunk into him at an early age, thankfully so. But if you don't know, you don't know. If you don't know any better, if you're not educated because of an environment that you grow up in, then, you know, I, I, I tell the story about Mike Lamb. Mike Lamb, my former partner at KHTK, a dear friend who I love, came on my podcast a year ago, January, and talked about growing up in a redneck environment in Clovis, just outside of Fresno. And he didn't know any better. He only knew what he knew. He only knew his environment. It was a very sheltered, very redneck environment, his words. And he said when he got to USC on a football scholarship, it changed his life and that he was just awoken to new horizons because of all the black players on USC. And he talked about Marcus Allen. He talked about Rodney Lott or Ronnie Lott. And he talked about how it changed his life and gave him a new perspective on life because he didn't have that in Clovis because everyone looked like him and talked like him in Clovis. And he didn't know any better because he just how would you know? And he talked about coming on my pot. It was so great because I, I, I believe the same thing. He talked about, you know, go up to a stranger and start talking to that person and maybe break bread with them and go out for coffee or have lunch or have dinner and find out what makes that person tick, what their life was like. All right. And he said, you'll find that in most cases, you'll be surprised that you have more in common with that person than you thought. And he's absolutely one hundred percent correct and that was one of my favorite podcasts and mike becoming so forthcoming about his experience of growing up and as he phrased it, a redneck environment and going to a melting pot of los angeles and his college football team of usc and how much he learned and grew from it and that it changed his life and that's such it's awesome but if you don't have that change of environment and you grow up only knowing one thing and you only learn one thing, then you don't know what you don't know. So these are all good conversations that we're having. And that's like when I have Eli want to know about, you know, Matt Barnes and Chris Weber. Hey, I don't have any problems saying it. I know in my heart, I'm right. And again, go back and listen to the conversation I had on the radio. Last conversation I ever had with Chris, you know, Matt couldn't handle that. I was critical of him and DeMarcus. You know, on my radio show, too bad. That's my job. You know, that's what I do. It's not personal. It's not racist because I'm a white person and I'm critical of a person of color. That doesn't make me a racist. I criticize white athletes, too. As a matter of fact, I believe my first ever Grant's rant on YouTube, I'm not positive about this, was on Bryce Harper. All right. I mean, 
I don't make conscious decisions when I criticize someone. I don't go through my checklist and go, now, wait a minute. Uh, well, that person's black or that person's Jewish or that person's a no, no, no. I don't think that if I want to criticize someone, I criticize them. You know, I don't sit there and go through a checklist of, well, gee, maybe I shouldn't criticize them because I'm going to be deemed racist or I'm going to be deemed, you know, anti-Semitic or no, absolutely not. Doesn't enter my mind. When I criticize someone, I criticize them because I feel they deserve to be criticized. Has nothing to do with their religion, their race their sexuality, their political affiliation. You know what? I, 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 and Sean Salisbury and I are very similar on this. I don't care if you have voted for Trump. I don't care. It makes no difference to me. I don't care if you voted for Joe Biden. I don't care. It does not matter to me. I, it makes absolutely no difference in my life who you voted for. You are an American citizen. You have a right to vote for who you want to vote for. Okay? I may not agree with it, but I'm not going to disown you as a family member or as a friend. I'm not going to say disparaging things about you because you voted for someone different than I did. That's the country we live in. It's called democracy. And I've heard so many stories of people that have ended lifelong friendships and it's broken up families because they had a difference of opinion in the last election. How freaking sad is that? Really? You're going to end lifelong friendships because someone voted for Trump or they voted for Biden and you vote really what kind of country is that and yet that goes on all the time you know how sad that is how sad is that that's the country we are living in today freedom of expression does not seem to exist anymore and if you have a different opinion than mine and mine is not popular then I get eaten up by the woke mob, right? Isn't that what they call it? That's what happened to me. What kind of country are we living in when a person can lose a five-decade-long career because they said all lives matter, every single one? Like, what kind of country are we living in? All lives matter, every single one is turned around by a company like Bonneville International as being deemed racist? Really? A company that is owned by the Church of Latter-day Saints that doesn't have one person of color, doesn't have one minority on their entire board? Go look it up. Go Google it. Google Bonneville International Leadership. Google it. Takes 10 seconds. Bonneville International Leadership. Google it. And then tell me who got screwed here. Kevin, you're on with Grant. Hi, Kevin. Hi, uh, do sports franchises want, like, their broadcasters to have a radio show as well to speak with the fans and community? Or, like, when you had the Kings broadcasting, did the did the radio show come before or after? Just kind of curious. No, I was the I was the King. Uh, it's a great question. I was the Kings TV announcer, and then I became the uh, talk show host. It is a very, 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 very fine line to walk. There are very few that do both. Michael K in New York is wildly popular you know on uh, espn radio new york he's the tv voice of the new york yankees uh but it is a very difficult act do they encourage it i wouldn't say they encourage it but in all my years you know it's interesting in all my years i did radio for 26 years in sacramento 26 years in sacramento and you know that only twice in 26 years did I ever get a call from the Kings in a negative way for something I said? One was from Jeff Petrie, 
and and because I uh, did an interview on ESPN Radio nationally when the Kings had just got eliminated in the playoffs, and they asked me a question. They called Chris Webber a superstar, and I said, no, no, no. Chris is not a superstar. Chris is an all-star. He's not a superstar. And Chris got bent out of shape, complained to Jeff. Jeff called me up, and uh, and it was fine. I, you know, I talked to Chris, and we were fine. And then the other time was when the Kings were in their process of moving, and I went on the radio, and I said something, and Joe Maloof called me up and started screaming at me on the radio, or screaming, screaming at me on the phone, literally screaming at me. And I let him talk for like a minute. I go, Joe. And then I said, Joe. And then i like, Joe, <laughs> shut up. I said, Joe, I can't say that on the radio. You're crazy. I'm not going to go on the radio and say that's not going to happen. And then he goes, yeah, yeah, I know, Grant, I know. I'm just upset. I'm like, Joe. I understand you're upset, but I can't go on the radio and say that. Only twice in 26 years did I have anybody affiliated with the Kings call me for something that I said that they didn't like. All right? No, and I mean that. Only twice. Yeah, I imagine that'd be a tough a tough line to walk, especially when you're you know, pre-COVID. Sure it is. Traveling with the team, playing, hotels, dinner. Yeah, but you know what? Most of the players most of the players never had a problem when I was critical because they knew it was uh, just. They also knew I never made it personal, and they didn't have yeah. a problem with that. They, I was friends with most of the guys. They understand my personality. They knew I was opinionated. Oh, yeah, and you want to hear something else? Almost every player on the Kings used to listen to my radio show all the time. You want to know why? Because they told me. They all listened to my radio show. They all did. So like they might well, thank you. But they all listened to it because I used to have the players that I was friends with tell me. And then I used to hear about conversations they had in the in the locker room about something I said. Then I would have players come up to me and say, oh, my God, it was so great when you went off on that guy the other day. They all used to listen to my radio show. (laughs) Well, good stories. Thanks for sharing. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's the truth, boy. That is the truth. Hey, a great show today. Really been very entertaining i really love this i hope you've enjoyed this has been really a great week here on listen at man I've, i i couldn't do monday i got caught up uh with a tra- uh, travel snafu but boy particularly yesterday and today are my two favorite shows and i owe it to you fabulous phone calls love the phone calls we'll do it again tomorrow i can't thank you enough for joining me here on listen app thank you and until tomorrow grant napier saying so long everybody